Hey, it's your host, Abigail Pumphrey, and I'm on a personal mission to help more small business owners become financially free. I like to nerd out on all things business, marketing, and most definitely the numbers. I'm talking all the lessons learned as I turned a layoff into a seven-figure online business. I like to share it all and no conversation is off the table. We talk actionable strategies, biz challenges, and all the things life throws your way. Grief, anxiety, loss, and resilience are all topics you'll find here. So grab a cup of coffee and settle in because you're listening to the Strategy Hour podcast brought to you by Boss Project. Join me in celebrating Women's History Month. On March 27th, I'm hosting a special virtual event for her by her presented by Fiverr. We'll be spotlighting and interviewing some of the most successful female business owners and their experiences with Fiverr. In the U.S., women are driving growth, and each year that percentage increases. Women-led startups have more than doubled since 2020, and from 2019 to 2023, women-owned businesses' growth rate outpaced the rate of men's in new businesses, employment, and revenue. In this panel discussion, you'll hear from top female business owners who have not only started their own companies, but cater to women through their products and services. Don't miss out. Head to bossproject.com slash RSVP and save your seat for this empowering event created by women for women. It's free to attend. I can't wait to see you there. That's bossproject.com slash RSVP. This message is sponsored and brought to you by Fiverr. Have you ever started working on a project or I mean, literally anything really and felt like at some point you were just making it worse Every second of my entire existence is thinking that. No, no way. No way. Really? A lot. A lot of my day goes about that. Well, I'm here to tell you that there's actually a law behind this. And I'm assuming if there's a law, that means it's either coming from psychology or physics or some science. I didn't look it up. So who knows? Hashtag science. (laughs) (laughs) But it is a real thing. So it's called the law of diminishing returns. And it basically says that everything we do sits on a bell curve. And the more work we put in, the better quality that we will produce to a point. At some point, the more time we put in, we will continue to make things worse. (laughs) Yes, I've also done that. So you can make things better over time, and it's going to be incredible. And then it just gets worse. So the kind of the theory is, you may work on something for eight hours, and it gets you to like 80% good, whatever 80% good is to you, right? But you could go work on the same thing for 16 hours. And it might be 90% good. So the thing you'll notice there is you work double the amount of time, but the quality only increased by 10%. And then you could work on it for 24 hours, say over three days or something, and you're back down to 80% good. And I think there's an important piece that we need to take away from this theory and apply it to what we're doing in our business. Because so often... We get the question of like, how do you be more productive? How do you spend your time? How long should you be working on something? When do I know I need to be done for the day? We get that question a lot. And it will take time. But over time, you will start to notice a pattern. You will start to notice when you work on something past a certain point, it's just not going to be 
any that, better. <laughs> that great, right? Yeah. Yeah. I think that, so where I was coming from is in this stance of, I don't really feel that way when I'm making something digital, like when I'm creating content or I guess I felt that way a little bit when I was when we were writing blog posts a lot, where sometimes I was like, if I sit here any longer, it's just going to be garbage. And I know that I need to like walk away and take a break. And I think I feel this mostly when I'm creating something with my hands. So whether it's painting or clay or anything like that, there are a lot of points in the process where I'm like, did I just entirely fuck this up? Well, yeah, <laughs> probably. Which is unfortunate. And the thing that's hard about stuff like that, when you're talking about things that are creative in nature, whether that be graphic design or calligraphy or floral design or, or making jewelry or I mean, like literally anything, right? Where you're being creative, the creativity is subjective. So you may think it's overdone. And the person next to you may think it's the best thing you ever did. Yep. Which is, it's problematic. (laughs) So I think while this can be frustrating, we also have to develop a new mindset. And I think often we hear good is better than perfect or good is good enough, right? But what if we started saying good enough to move on? Because that's what it's really all about. Good is good enough is... It's almost frustrating to me anyway. Right. Where you're feeling like you have to settle. Well, yeah, you're settling for something that could have been better. But it might have been better if you spent double the amount of time and really only improved it minusculely, right? And we're not acknowledging that. So what if we instead adopted the good enough to move on mentality? I think it's really an opportunity because perfection is the enemy of progress. And we're constant. I mean, me, I don't know about you guys, but I am a perfectionist at heart. And it has been something I've struggled with my entire life. And the older I get, I mean, definitely the less I care. That is true. (laughs) Yeah, that has been the same for me as well. But also, I think I've learned that in some cases, it's just not worth it. Like, and maybe it's worth it in certain areas of your life, but not others. Well, because I think like that opens up the good conversation of like, it's not worth it. Uh, Could this thing be better? Oh, sure. Probably. Like, I think we're all, we're some of us are at least like humble enough to think that like, even when it's quote done, someone else could make it better or you could make it better in six months or five years or whatever, as your skill set gets better. That's what we're kind of talking about. But that's not like we're not in a time warp where we could just be like, okay, well, give me my five years from now skill set so I can finish this project real fast so I can be confident with it being sellable or done or ready or whatever. Yeah. I mean, what what do you feel like your skill set allows you to do or not allows you to do? I don't know. I feel like we blame it. Does that make sense? Like we're like... If only I learned how to be better at my craft, then I could actually improve what it is that I'm doing. And whether we want to acknowledge it or not, there will always be someone better than us at the thing we do. Well, and like you will always get better. And so like, I think it just, it's dangerous to think that way because it gets you into this 
this cycle, this literal circle of thought process of I'm not good enough today, so I'm not going to release it. Tomorrow, you're literally better at what you're doing, but you're not good as good as what you're going to be the next day or the next week. And so it's just this constant circle where you're chasing your tail. And so I think if we can just like recognize that like what I created right now today, I know is the best that I can do right now today. And if you're trying to avoid that feeling that I feel like all of us get, especially if you're creating something, if you're making something creatively, it doesn't just have to be a physical thing, but like if you're making websites or if you're taking pictures, or you're editing or you're painting or whatever it is, I feel like on some subconscious level, we're all trying to avoid that, like that time hop reminder that's going to pop up on our Facebook or Instagram feed in three years. It's like, remember when you launched your shop and this was the first product you launched. And it's almost like cringe worthy, embarrassing because you've learned so much. Your skill set is better. Something about it has changed. And you look back on that and you're like, oh my God, how did I ever even release that? But at that time, that was 100% the best that you could do. Mm -hmm. It's impossible to avoid that feeling. No, totally. I think that about a lot of things like Look at how Instagram has evolved. Like, I used the ugliest filters. Oh, yes. But I wasn't alone. Like, it's really easy to judge yourself, like, far removed from it. But at the same time, it's like, I was basically the same as everyone else. Like, spoiler alert, like, we're not that special and we're a lot like everyone else. And we constantly have this desire to fit in. And so, while that photo may look jank, it looked like all the other photos from that year because everyone was using that thing. And so, I mean, we can do the same thing judging our style or our hair or our makeup or whatever. And it's like, we were probably doing what the rest of society was doing. That's why our parents are embarrassed when they look (laughs) at photos of themselves, okay? that doesn't change. Like that gets passed down and we can think we're all classic and whatever, but we're not. We're doing what the herd is doing. (laughs) Always. But what if we had this, because I think Emily brings up a good point that we can, if we adopt the wrong mentalities around this, then we can end up, we're putting ourselves down from the beginning. And like, what if instead we did something that was building us up over time? And so I like this quote. I wish I knew the original person who spoke it. I heard it spoke from Craig Rochelle, but I don't think he said it for the first time. But it's the pursuit of excellence will motivate you and the pursuit of perfection will limit you. And I think that is so true because perfection is trying to put you in a box and you're trying to like make it the box as beautiful as possible. Whereas excellence is like almost limitless in a way. And we can continue to strive for it, but there's not really a destination. We're convinced perfection is a destination, right? Like you can reach a state of perfect. Well, and I think that brings up a good point because I'm going to come in here and kind of play the opposite (laughs) side of all of this. We are very much like what Abby's, the words we've been saying this entire, you know, conversation proponents of like done is better than perfect. Like I truly do believe that. And if we stop trying to achieve perfect, but we really achieve excellence, I feel like that piece right there is a lesson that a lot of newbies really need to 
swallow because I think that we now have created a culture where we have convinced everyone that done is better than perfect. And that's great in the sense of like, just press publish, like post the thing, share the thing, do whatever. But I also think that that it has led to a lot of people doing it when they like literally are not ready. And I can't be the person to tell you whether you're ready or not ready. And there's no ding that's going to happen or whatever. But there are so many people who like, either you just literally don't have your ducks in a row. It's really not a quality product. It's not a quality service. You don't have the follow through established. And there are people who are selling things that like are not ready to be selling that thing just because they haven't taken like one second to figure it out. And so I think if we reframe our thought process of like, sure, it's not going to be perfect. And you can sit here and be like, well, it's not perfect, but I'm just going to publish it anyways. That is fine. As long as you also know that it's excellent and it's your excellence right now. Right. Yeah. I mean, I've hundred percent used this as an excuse to be like, <laughs> good. It's totally fine. It's like, fine. I'm it's just not, gonna it's move not perfect. On. Everyone's it's fine. This is me being authentic and it's real and it's fine. No, bitch, that's garbage. <laughs> <laughs> well, and I think that's where there is kind of an opportunity for you. So with this law, like I was saying in the beginning, the idea is the more time you spend, the better the quality is over time. But it it also dissipates where it eventually tops out at the top of a curve. And the more time you spend, it will start getting worse. But it also doesn't necessarily cover the fact that you can bend the curve or break the curve. Like, and this is something they used to talk about when they talked about grades, like back in the day, because I don't know about you, my school wasn't like this. But when my parents talked about school, everything was graded on a bell curve on purpose. So this literally meant that they would break the class in half and some would get an A, the average was in the middle and everyone would get C's and then some people would flunk. And it wasn't necessarily that this was 80% based on how many points you missed. It was that I have to take this class and there has to be an average and there has to be excellent and there has to be failure. And then somewhere along the line, schools stopped adopting that philosophy, started to give out participation ribbons, and y'all know where it went from there. But they used to talk about people who broke the curve, i.e. they were so far above and beyond the rest of the class that it would frustrate the class because the curve would get all messed up and the people who normally did fantastic all of a sudden were average. Well, this same philosophy can be adopted in what you're doing now. It's just not necessarily a context you're used to working with. It's basically where you have the ability to kind of skirt the usual, which would be time. Like normally it's time that you're investing and that time is fleeting. But what if you were able to get an excellent product with less time? Like what if you were able to produce excellence without as much heartache and frustration and all the other things? And I think there's a lot th- a lot that goes into that. And it's, it's why we spend so much time on this podcast talking about 
processes and procedures and like setting up systems because systems can do things for you. Like I could have an excellent customer experience, but it takes me all the time because I am doing everything manually. I could also have an excellent customer experience and utilize a program like Dubsado. And really, I only have to start and end the experience and insert the deliverables. Everything else is done for me. And then all of a sudden, it's like, whoa, like, this is where you're replicatable, right? This is where you can do this again and again and again and again. And especially if you're in a service-based business, that's important. You want to have the same experience that you have for someone when you're feeling 100%. And those days that you feel like crap, like how can you continue to produce the same excellent results for a client? Well, and I think that this is an important part of the conversation because I think the pressure behind seeking perfection or, okay, then if we're shifting it to seek excellence is the feeling that we have to do all the things. And, you know, we've all talked about it before where, right, when you're, especially when you're starting, but also sometimes for a long time for people, you're wearing all the hats in your business. It's a small business. You're the head of every department, blah, 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 right? We get it. We've all been there. We're not asking you to run yourself thin to provide an excellent service or product or experience. We're asking you to use your brain and your resources to set up things in your business to provide those things. You do not have to be like the person on the ground for every single department or follow through in your business, but they they do need to be there. And so I think like at the beginning, we don't necessarily know what all of those are. So we don't have all of them. And then we decide to do better and we decide to do more. But what a lot of people do is take it on themselves, right? And so then they wake up and they're six months or six years into business and they left their 40 hour a week job. And now they're working 80 hours a week and they're not seeing their families and they're stressed out and they're doing all this. And it's because they have taken on that responsibility of excellence for every single department, literally themselves. And so explore these resources that you have at your fingertips. There's, there's new, better, bigger ones every single day for your business and take the initial minutes it's going to take for you to understand how it's going to work for your business. And then you don't have to do it yourself ever again. Money issues are a common stressor in any relationship. Monarch Money is the top-rated personal finance app that can get you and your partner on the same page without any extra cost. Monarch has built-in collaboration features, so together you can see your finances, budget, and get insights on your cash flow. It's the easiest way to manage any household finances. I've tried other finance apps in the past, and they didn't work the way I wanted them to. I don't want to stress over finances. Monarch is the top-rated all-in-one personal finance app. It gives you a comprehensive view of all your accounts, investments, transactions, and more. Create custom budgets, set goals, and collaborate with your partner. And now get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com strategy. Monarch has a tool that allows you to easily import your data from Mint and keep all of your tags and categories. Monarch's simple, intuitive design makes it so easy to get it's set up, customize, and use. Monarch prioritizes my privacy, and they'll never sell my data to third parties. 
After trying out Monarch for myself, I understand why it's the top-rated personal finance app. And right now, get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com slash strategy. That's M-O-N-A-R-C-H-M-O-N-E-Y dot com slash strategy for your extended 30-day free trial. Today's podcast is sponsored by Squarespace, the only all-in-one website platform we use and recommend to our clients. Squarespace makes it easy to create beautiful websites, engage with your audience, and sell your products and services all in one place. Visit squarespace.com slash boss project to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. Squarespace has professional website templates with designs for nearly every category and use case. Start with a flexible template, then customize it to fit your unique needs. With Squarespace extensions, you can connect your website to vetted third-party tools to fully customize your website exactly the way you want it. Whether you sell services, products, or digital items, Squarespace has the tools you need for your online store. You can now host your videos on Squarespace and show them on beautiful video pages. You can even sell access to your videos with member areas. Go to squarespace.com for a free trial, and when you're ready to launch, go to squarespace.com slash boss project to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. That's squarespace.com slash boss project. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. With over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. I love that Indeed makes it easy to hire. We've had to weed through hundreds of applications in the past. We could have saved so much time if we'd used Indeed. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at indeed.com slash strategy hour. Just go to indeed.com slash strategy hour right now and support our show by seeing you heard about indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash strategy hour terms and conditions apply need to hire you need indeed. I'm just like soaking it all in guys <laughs> because I so agree like it's really easy to say that people got here by accident. Like, well, she just did this, this, and this, and then it worked for her. Why is it not working for me? Or whatever. And you look at other people, and I have to just let you guys know that where you are right now in this moment in your business is where you're supposed to be. Is it where you want to be? Probably not. I don't, I know very few people who are like content, probably because we were born to be entrepreneurs and entrepreneurs strive for bigger and better things all the time. And the needle is always moving. And so how can you listen to the spark and like use this as fuel to bend your curve or increase your quality without increasing your time. I think there's so much to be had here. But remember that the goal across the board is you want a return on investment, right? Like you want it to be worth it. 
right? That's what we're all looking for. We're wanting things to be worth it. But I heard something interesting. I think it was actually in our summit where someone was talking about money. And so often when we look at return on investment, we're looking for a direct ROI in the form of cash. Oh yeah. I remember this from yesterday. This this. This is interesting. But what if the return on investment wasn't necessarily money, but it proved to be worth it to you? Like, I think in her example, this woman worked with a coach and it was a health coach, I, I believe. And while she didn't make more money, it's a freaking health coach, she did lose weight. But by proxy of losing weight, her confidence shifted. She felt more motivated. She was able, she was like more mentally able to do the things she wanted to do in her business and her business grew. And like, that was like by happenstance. Right. And I think we look at a lot of what we do outside of business. And I think this is where it comes up for me. Maybe it comes up for you in your business, but for me, I have a hard time saying yes to other people like volunteering or heading up committees or doing things at church or whatever, like, cause I have done it. I did it for a long time and I spent a lot of effort in that area of my life because that's where I was getting the return. That's what fueled me. Right. And then I started my business and then I thought every ounce of things coming back to me had to be in the form of my business. And what I'm realizing now is that it doesn't have to all come from one place. And we so often put the weight of, I need all of this return to come back to me into my life from one area of my life. And that's really damaging potentially. Well, and I think that this part of the conversation is going to really sit well with people who do have a hard time making the big financial goals or even saying like, I'm in business to make money. Like we've heard the conversation time and time again, right? Like I just want to make more impact or I want to do this. And we're always in the boat of like, cool, cool, cool. But we also want you to be profitable and like in order to make a larger impact or whatever else your goals are, money is often needed to fuel that. And I still believe that. And I don't disagree with that. But telling someone who is not motivated by money to still focus on money, like isn't really going to get them anywhere. And so I think if we look at it like, okay, what is the ROI here for me? What, what do I get out of this action? And maybe it's not your entire business. Maybe it's, it is the, you know, the follow through or that, that discovery call or the gifts that you send your clients or whatever is it, right? What is the thing that you're like, oh my God, if I could just get that feeling that I get from doing this thing all day, I would be super happy. So chase that and provide yourself more opportunities to do that. Because generally, if it's like, I get super happy when people open my products. Okay. So sell more products so you can get that feeling more. It's all going to come full circle to more money, more sales, more whatever. If you have to redirect your attention to a different part of that process, great. This is like slightly different conversation, but still related because it's all about the quality, the excellence you're pursuing, all this stuff. So I want to talk about reinventing the wheel here for a second because we've all tried it. We've all tried to come up with this brand new, 
beautiful product or this amazing service that no one else is offering, yada, yada, yada. I could, you could apply this to every area of your life. We've all tried to quote unquote, think outside the box, recreate the wheel. What is it doing for you? I don't know about you, but it's led to a lot of frustration in my life. And I am not trying to stifle your creativity. But what if I told you, and this is not my thought, this is, again, pulling from a talk I heard at the Global Leadership Summit. What if thinking inside the box drove your creativity? Because constraints eliminate options. And I don't know about you, but let's think about school, right? Let's think about school for a second. And you went and you had a project and your teacher was like, it needs to have this, this, and this in it. Everything else is up to you. You came up with this crazy diorama thing and it was like, had this castle and they, I don't know, you whatever. You did this in school. You thrived with constraints. The moment you got onto the real world and the constraints were missing, you're like, I don't know what I want with my life. Like no one was sitting there telling you what to do. So what if for like five seconds, we imagined being in a business where we served clients like another business serves clients. And instead of trying to make it 100% our own, we modeled other people we respect and took from other industries that are innovating. And we use those as constraints in our business. And then, and only then, with those constraints, we added our own creativity to it. Like what would happen? Who do you... Give an example. Well, okay. So I think Apple is a good example of this again and again. What you guys don't realize, or maybe you do, and maybe you've just accepted it and you're okay with it. Most of the products they come out with, they are not the first to market with that product. They were not the first to market with an MP3 player. They were not the first to market with a smartphone or a computer. Right. I mean, you guys have seen them, right? The BuzzFeed articles or the hate articles of just like other people get pissed like Facebook, where Facebook has stolen stuff from Snapchat and other apps that you guys like and use it better (laughs) in their own platform. Apple kind of the same way. Yeah. So and, and Facebook's another great example. People got livid. When they took stories and they added stories and we didn't know what to call them for a while. It was, they were snaps for a while because we didn't know how to, now they're officially Instagram stories. They have effectively ingrained that name into our society, but that's exactly the case. All they did, which I know some of you are like, this is awful. Why would you steal from other people? They didn't. I don't know if you guys realize or not. They offered to buy Snapchat. Snapchat refused. So they're like, okay, we'll build a similar product and it'll be better. And guess what? It is better and it's less skeezy and people love it. I just like talking about Snapchat for a second. I just remember when like literally it blew up and brands who had kind of started their existence on 
Snapchat or not necessarily started, but like it was a channel for them to use for their engagement. Um, remembered specifically like polling their people, like, do you want me to just move over to stories since you're already on Instagram or stay on Snapchat? And for the longest people were just like, oh my God, stay on, stay on Snapchat. That's where I'm at. I don't watch it on stories, et cetera, et cetera. And then like over the months, people just like stopped using it. Cause I feel like you think that you're going to use two separate platforms, but truly like when someone finds out a way to integrate it better into what you're already doing, they're going to just go there because they're lazy. Yeah. But that's a breakdown of well, chat Facebook for you. <laughs> I'm one, and I don't know if this will happen. And this is total side comment, but we have monopoly laws in the US for this very reason. There used to be one telephone company. There used to be one electric company. Facebook very well may be the next monopoly in the social media space. I don't know if the U.S. government will shut it down or what will happen. Well, and I, <laughs> I don't I think, think Facebook's going anywhere. This is a but. different conversation. I don't think that can even happen because while I think it's like definitely a powerhouse, so many of us consider so many different platforms as social media, like even BuzzFeed comment channels or Reddit feeds or Tumblr or whatever, right? But yeah, they have definitely like taken over. <laughs> so now that we've convinced you that other people are doing this, what if we go back to it and think about it one more time? Because like, before you're like, mm, thinking inside the box doesn't sound that sexy. But what if you could come up on top? Like, what if you see someone else doing something and you're like, that's good. I can do it better. You can. <laughs> like, I just wish people would stop trying to like, I'm not saying there shouldn't be innovation. Obviously, there has to be people innovating or we're not going to move forward. Technology is going to stay stuck. Da, 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 da. But when it comes to what we're doing in the creative entrepreneurial space, we're not, we're not leading the industry. I mean, we just all need to accept that. Right. Like, there's we're, bigger businesses than like us. Tech or science. Like, <laughs> right. Well, like yeah. So like, Unless you're developing an app. Sure, but I don't know very many people developing an app that's that would consider themselves a creative entrepreneur. I think the majority of creative entrepreneurs are doing something that may mimic something in big business, but they're doing it on such a smaller scale. You're not without a big budget and a giant team going to come out on top of Apple, for instance. <laughs> Like, you're just not like, there's not going to be the, disrupt you, the smartphone market real quick. <laughs> yeah, good luck. Okay. You may come out with an amazing app and Apple decides to buy you. But like, you're not going to be Apple. And that's fine. Like, we're not, I'm not trying to create a culture in which we're trying to like take over big business. We're small business for a reason. And I think there's a kind of luxury in being small where we can serve our clients in a totally different way in a, a much more hands-on way than they can get anywhere else. And so what if instead we had this desire to be excellent innovate on what's already existed. And we just strive to make it a better customer experience. Like what if that was our only goal? Would that take some like weight off of you guys? Cause it sure would me. Cause I can't even tell you the amount of times Emily and I have sat in a coffee shop and we have said, what is next in this space? We literally for hours, I kid you not have spent time on this. What if instead 
we just paid attention and continued to innovate on what already ha- existed because someone else will do it first. I'm okay with yeah. that. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> There's some like relief in that for me. Yeah, for sure. Same. And then we just make sure we are doing it in our own level of excellence and then you're good. Yeah. <laughs> it's not stealing. Ugh. No, I mean, I, there is so, definitely. Yeah. I want to have a word on this for a second too. This is a whole other conversation as well, but So I don't know if you guys have noticed or not on Instagram, I've started making some clay earrings and selling and blah, blah, blah. And so that just means like I'm now seeing a lot more clay stuff and I'm following more people and like meeting more people in this community. And there's someone who I absolutely love. Follow her. I own earrings from her. She's amazing. She was sharing the other day on her stories. She said something like, please, unless you see someone who is actually using my photos without my permission... Do not tag me in people who are making clay earrings that, quote, look like mine. You cannot copy someone if they're using solid colors, circle or half moon cookie cutter shapes. Like you, that is not copying. And so she like kind of went on this beautiful rant on stories that was just like, it feels like bullying to me when you tag me in these things or send them to me. Like you're trying to like pit everyone against each other. She's like, just make the earrings, sell your own shit, like use your stuff. I'm not worried about you copying me. Like, so unless you're actually stealing my stuff, I don't want to hear about it. And so it just opened up a really good conversation of like newbies and existing businesses, et cetera, in that specific space. But it's the same across the board. Yeah. Well, and this is, again, another subject. But in some cases, certain industries, you can't like patent or copyright what you're doing because it's considered like, I don't know what the technical term is. Like Like a commodity item, I guess. So like clothing, for instance, you can't patent a new shirt design. Other people are going to make shirts, period. And so that's so frustrating for a lot of fashion designers because that shit gets ripped off all the time. And it it does suck. It does suck. And there is some blatant copying in there. Does that make sense? Like there is a line and you have to like work on where your own ethical boundary is in all of this. But my point being is business is business is business. And we keep convincing ourselves that we have to be completely unique and we're just not. And honestly, so tangent, but I don't know if you guys have seen the new show on Netflix called Diagnosis. Oh my God, it's so good. (laughs) But basically it's like these people with these crazy unique illnesses and they're using the New York Times to pull literally the entire world to try to figure out what's wrong with these people. But one of the women said on that show, she has this daughter that's incredibly ill, and that's the really sad part of it. But the, the, the thing I want you to take from it, she said, you never want to be unique because then you're alone and you don't have anyone in your corner. And in her sense, it was, I mean, a big deal because if you're the only one who's sick with this one thing, then there's no treatment and there's nobody else in your community because you're the only one. So you don't want to be unique. And so if we can take that kind of mentality, I'd much rather be in a community. I would much rather have camaraderie. I'd much rather be friends with my peers than see them as competition. 
I think I'm just over being unique. No, same. Well, and this is, I will wrap up with this last point, but it's similar to what you're saying. Were we on a coaching call or was I talking with someone? I think it was our coaching for our strategy Academy last week. Someone was saying how they wanted to start with, with this new product in this kind of new way of teaching, not necessarily a new way of teaching, but new service, new content, and basically. And she wanted to know, like, what's the best? Should I do it at events or should I like do it on a webinar? Or should I do this? So I kept asking her questions like, well, how are other people doing it? How is your quote unquote competition doing it? What's working for them right now? And she couldn't think of anyone in her entire industry who was doing what she wanted to do. And so she was like, so that's super great. I can be first on the market and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, um, let's talk about it for a second. Because to me, I look at new ideas or new products and I want to find someone who's already doing it because that tells me it's a proven business model. And I, yes, need to find my own way and be unique and talk to my own people, et cetera, et cetera. But I very rarely want to be a pioneer in something like that because it takes a lot of money to be a pioneer and takes a lot of time. And so I wasn't convinced that there wasn't truly anyone doing what she wanted to do. So I had her go find some more people. But that's like, honestly, where I spend some time first, who is already doing this? Who is doing it in the way that I like? And what can I like, learn from that? Now here, one more more caveat. And And then we'll stop. But I think it's really easy in the very, very, very beginning to find someone that is doing what you want to do and then try to emulate everything about that business. It's very dangerous. And I have been there and felt guilty about it. If you feel guilty, then you're probably overstepping. Go do some research. Don't necessarily follow these people. Like go look at their website one time or like go watch one webinar or whatever. But like you don't need to cyber stalk these people. (laughs) Right. Like, don't like, what is it called? Launch hack them, like funnel hack them, like where you go sign up for all their funnels and then read all their emails and try to figure out how they piece it together. I just want you to know there is someone else who's doing this thing. They're doing it well. Oh, they use Instagram to sell. That's all you need to know. (laughs) Now get back to your own paper, that kind of stuff. All right. I think we've known you enough. I've said my piece. You got this. Looking to elevate your brand without the headache? Join the co-op, our creative template shop membership. With thousands of easy to customize templates, all crafted to seamlessly fit your business aesthetics. We make nurturing leads and driving sales effortless. We're talking serious impact and seriously simple creation. Become a member now at creativeshopcoop.com and transform your business today. That's creativeshopcoop.com.